Chronicles chapter number 20, verse number 16. If you would mind standing just real briefly on your feet one more time. If you're able, if not, the Lord understands. But we do that to honor his word. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 16 through 25, it reads like this. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the brook, the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear, for tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites and the children of the Koalites of the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning. They went out in the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and he said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and so shall you prosper. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army, they were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. And so when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, he looked towards the multitude, and there were all of their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on all of the dead bodies, the precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there were so much. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. It gives us light. It gives us understanding. And today I pray, as we've already sang the sermon, I pray that you would bring it into further light today. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Uh, if you're just now joining with us, we had started a series uh, at the beginning of the month entitled Holy Habits. And in this particular series, what we did is we started um, looking at the importance of daily Bible reading, prayer, fasting. We've looked at several aspects of how to make our lives better in the new year, things that spiritually we could implement so that going forward we live from a place of victory. And I uh, kind of alluded in the middle of all of that that uh, there are bad habits in life that people usually seek to get free from in the new year, but at the, be at the beginning of the year it's also a great time to actually set up some good habits. Last week we talked about the importance of being connected to a local church and, and developing yourself within the body because you need me, I need you. I don't want to start singing Barney, the big purple dinosaur. Anybody remember Barney today? Hallelujah. I love you, you love me, we're a great big family. Come on, somebody. So 
some of y'all's kids are going to go home singing that, and I'm going to get a bad email today. Okay, praise the Lord. Forgive me. So we talk about the importance of being connected to family. But this morning, as we're coming towards the end of our series, I want to talk to you about another holy habit that you and I, if we practice this, it will actually help us to walk in victory every day of our lives. And so today, I want to talk to you about unleashing the power of your praise. Unleashing the power of your praise. I want to tell you that as we walk, as we grow, as we live our life in Christ, there are going to be some days that are harder than others. Uh, Job said it like this, a man that is born of a woman is but of a few days and full of trouble. What he was trying to say is is that in this body called the flesh, there are going to be some days that are difficult. Jesus even prophesied those days. Jesus said, uh, all who are godly shall suffer persecution. Jesus knew that there would be adversaries that would come and try to snuff out our fire or try to steal our praise, for lack of better words, But, you know, even in the middle of all of that, we've got to understand that regardless of the wind and the waves that crash around our boat, which we cannot help sometimes, what we can do is do our best to not allow those waves that are external become internal in our lives. In other words, you can't help what's going on outside of the boat, but we can help what's going on inside of us. And one of the ways that we do that this morning is tapping in to the potential of praise. Why? Because here's what you need to understand. Praise confuses your enemy. Praise confuses your enemy. I heard a story. I have not been able to trace the validity of the story, but the story is pretty amazing. But I've heard several people tell it through the years. There was a a widow woman whose husband had... Uh, been the sole provider of their house, and suddenly he had died, and that their kids had all gone on, and she was the only one left in her family. She, she had a little small SSI pension check that she was able to keep a little groceries on her table and, and whatnot. She lived in an old wood frame house, and the windows were not good storm windows. There were no screens, and so it was a type of house that when you opened up the windows, you know, you could see literally everything, and it was an unobstructed, and And there was a fancy row of hedges beside her house. And on the other side of her house was a young man. And this young man had lived there. He was a college student. He was going for his Ph.D. in uh, psychology and other religious studies. And he was a self-proclaimed atheist. He didn't believe in God. And, you know, most of the time in life, we try to get along with our neighbors. But this particular man had a... A, just a, a dislike for this woman because even though her husband had not left her much, one thing that she did have was her faith. They served God together faithfully, and throughout 50 years of marriage, God had never failed them. She recounted testimonies to everybody she came in contact with of God's saving power, his delivering power, of, of, of providing finances and providing jobs and providing things of that nature. And And one day, it came to the end of the month, and as the old saying goes, she had more month left than she had money. She was running short in her pantry. 
just like every other day that she would open up her windows and let the breeze come in because she couldn't afford the air conditioner. She let it in and she was sweeping her house and she was singing the old songs of the church and she was saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah, God, you're so faithful. And she would just praise the Lord and she would be vocal about it. She wasn't trying to put on a show. It just so happened that her windows were open and her voice was carrying. Little did she know that her praise was being carried to the ears of an irritated atheist. One day he got tired of it. He began to think in his heart how he can get back at this woman. And one particular day, the, the end of the month had come, and she didn't have much, and she would just cry out to God, God, you know what I need. Lord, I praise you for your faithfulness. And God, I know that if you did it once, you can do it again. Lord, and I, I know what you did for my sister. She testified at church how you came through. And Lord, you're not a respecter of persons. If you did it for her, I know you can do it for me. And all of a sudden, she was an old Pentecostal lady. She had long hair that she tied up in a bun. And she would shout and she would spin and, and that neighbor would look and it would irritate him. And so she did that for three days, praising God for his faithfulness, praising God for his provision, praising God that the answer was on the way. There were many days she was very specific. She said, oh God, all you know, all I have is a can of beans. All I have is a can of Jiffy Bread corn mix. Lord, you know what I have, but you also know what I need. That atheist said, that's all right. And so he said, here's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to go down to the store and I'm going to buy $200 worth of groceries. I'm going to teach this lady to shut her mouth. So he went and he bought all types of household staples and things of that nature and, and, and cornbread and beans. And he brought, brought some ham hocks because you got to have that with beans. And, 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 and come on, some vinegar with some pepper sauce and all of this stuff, and, and she's praising the Lord, and, and one day, all of a sudden, he gets so mad, and he pops out from the side of those hedges, and he says, I'm going to take care of this, and so he caught her when she wasn't looking. He went, he put all those groceries on her front porch. He went, and he hid himself in the shadows, and he was looking, and this, this, this woman, when she came out on her front porch, she began to dance and shout uncontrollably. She said, oh God, you've done it again. You have provided every single thing that I need. And I bless you, Lord. And I praise you, Lord. And all of a sudden, this atheist uh, college student jumps out and goes, aha, I've caught you, you little simple-minded old lady. You've been praying to a God that's not real. See, what you don't understand is that while you were doing your thing in the midnight hour, it was coming into my bedroom and waking me up. And so what I did was I decided to go down to the local store and buy some groceries to shut you up. And she, this man thought that that would shut the mouth of this woman, but she began to dance harder. She began to shout louder and she began to pray and praise and she said oh God I so thank you for your provision she said Lord you can even make the devil bless me if that's what I need come on somebody I'm telling you God is sovereign in his provision and he can use anything that he wants to use oh that's the power of praise 
See, most people have no problem praising after the victory. But that takes no faith. It always takes faith to praise God while the answer's on the way. Come on, are you with me this morning? In the background of our text, we see it plainly. That's exactly what happens. The Moabites and the Ammonites and all of the other ites were rising up to attack King Jehoshaphat's army, God's people. And somebody came and they brought a message to Jehoshaphat and said, look, the armies of Israel are, are, are under attack. Here are all of our enemies coming towards us. And, and Joshua, or, um, Jehoshaphat, rather, uh, the Bible says that he feared and he turned himself to the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast. See, these are the very people whom the Lord had prevented the children of Israel from invading previously when they had came out of the land of Egypt. But now they are coming to throw them out of the land which God had promised them. Do you know that there are some people that do not like where God has taken you? And they want to dispossess you from the land, much like Israel. God had promised them, I'm taking you out of Egypt to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And for whatever reason, when they came out and they were doing all of their things, God told them, leave those people alone. But now, here they come. They were bigger. They were more vast. They had more people in their army. But how many of you know God is not moved by what you can see? God is not moved by what we can feel. God is not moved by any of those things. So Jehoshaphat did what any godly leader would do. He turned himself aside. He proclaimed a fast. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. He told him, he said, do not be dismayed, for you will not have to fight physically in this battle, for the battle belongs to the Lord. And this was interesting. You see, Israel, though they were a small army, they weren't a weak army. In fact, the Bible says that he chose them to prove his glory through them. See, God didn't choose Israel because they were big in stature or they had a lot of land mass or anything. In fact, if you've ever been, they are literally surrounded by their enemies. You have Syria on one side and you've got uh, Jordan on the other. You've got all these other nations that hate the land of Israel. And it was no different today than it is back then. And so now all these people are coming and it's easy for them to begin to try to figure out how do I deal with this situation. But we've got to realize God's plan for winning the battle was not a natural plan. Are you with me this morning? So I want to take you into this this morning because it's important. Because as we live for God, there are going to be some days that the enemy is going to come into our lives, uh, whether through its spiritual warfare, whether through its various other means, and the enemy, Satan himself, and every ounce of demonic power that he can muster up are going to do everything that they can to cause you to lose your song. So in order to be proactive and offensive in not losing this battle, we have to learn 
how to unleash the power of our praise. And part of that has to go to understand that we don't have to wait until the victory happens. You praise Him while the answer is on the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us to our text because I, I see some of y'all went back to sleep on me today. All right, let's look at verse number 21 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The Bible says, and when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out the army, uh, before the army saying, praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. If you're taking notes, go ahead and jot this down. Number one, praise was their first resort. Praise was their first. Everybody say first. Come on, first. Praise was their first resort. This battle plan was different than every other battle plan. So he told them, he said, look, I don't want you to get the big spears and I don't want the biggest shields and I don't want all of that out in, out in front. He said, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to put the, the worship team out in front of us. Those who could sing. Those who could lift their voice. See, see some of y'all, some of y'all think that singing is just something you do to kill time for the worship, for the, for the preaching. It's actually not. It's, it's actively engaged in warfare. So you need to understand, they put those people out front. So here the army is walking. And I want you to imagine what enlistment day was like that day. What an odd battle plan. Don't you know the choir probably thinned out that day? I think <coughs> Jehoshaphat... <coughs> You know, it was kind of humid in the tent last night, and uh, I think I might be suffering with laryngitis. I don't think I know that song. Don't you know the crowd thinned out that day? I can't come this morning. But the, ba the battle plan of the Lord is not always the same as man's. You might say this morning, what a foolish way to fight a battle. But you need to know something, that we serve a God that uses foolish ways. Paul said it like this, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things uh, to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Watch this. So that no flesh can glory in his presence. God was setting Israel up. So that when the victory was won. Nobody could say because it was their strength. Nobody would be able to say it was the size of their weapons. It was the size of their artillery, their tanks, their bombs. I'm using modern-day vernacular. Their stuff, of their, their weapons of warfare were bigger than ours. No, 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 no. God said, I want you to fight this differently. I want to put the praisers out in front. And as they begin to walk, you've got to understand, they begin to say, praise the Lord. 
for his mercy endures forever. Now, that's pretty odd to do when you're marching right towards your enemy. I'm sure some of them may have been a little shaky. Some of them may not have understood it, but they obeyed. And as they begin to walk, they begin to say, Praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. See, here's the thing. In the natural, it didn't look like it was a good time to start praising. But can I give you a little nugget of truth today? It's always a good time to start praising. That's why the Bible said his praise will continually be on my lips. Praise the Lord and his mercy endures forever. They begin to walk towards their enemy. Psalm, one, Psalm 34 verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall sometimes be in my mouth. When I feel like it, it'll be in my mouth. No, shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord. I will is a a phrase. I will speaking to our mind, our will, and our emotions. I will means I make a choice to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What happened when they prayed? Well, they begin to walk towards their enemies. Their enemies begin to walk towards them. And they said, something strange is happening. Something is, is happening here. It's found in verse number 22. Look at this. Second Chronicles uh, 20, verse 22. It says, now when they began. You need to underline that, circle that, highlight that, began. And when they began to praise and sing, the Lord set ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come up against Judah, and they were defeated. Now, I want you to understand this. Number two, praise caused God to move. I see that went just like this. Praise caused God to move. Feeling sorry for yourself doesn't always cause God to move. Being being a Debbie Downer doesn't cause God to move. Complaining about unfair treatment doesn't cause God to move. But praise always causes God to move. And I want you to notice in this passage, he moved not a second until they prayed. Why? God's instruction, God's way. God said, this is how this is going to work. You're going to have to praise, and then something is going to happen. So I had a thought as I was preparing this message this week, and the thought goes like this. Since we're always waiting on God to move, first what if God's waiting on you to move first 
I just wish God would. I wish this. I wish that. I got a question for you. When's the last time you really praised him? When's the last time you really gave him everything? See, if you understood what praise does, you would do it often. In Psalm 22, verse 3, here's what the Bible says. It says, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. In other words, when we praise God, he shows up. His presence shows up. See, when you magnify your problems, things attached to those problems show up. But when you praise the one who has answers to those problems, then the answers consequently show up because God shows up. Now, the scripture says he inhabits the praises of Israel, his people, one translation says. So, we have New Testament and Old Testament concept of this, and I'm going to talk to you about that in just a moment. But I love the way, I believe it's the Amplified Bible says it like this. It says, God sets up his throne where his people praise. So let me ask you a question. It's a rhetorical question. Don't raise your hand. You don't have to answer this. If God moves when his people praise, then doesn't it seem logical that the enemy would try to keep you from praising? Think about it. This is one of those two plus two equals four moments. It's logical. If, if, if praise causes God to move, then it's obvious that the enemy fights us so hard to praise. So many times our praise is attached to our emotions. Sometimes our praise is attached to our circumstances. Pastor, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like praising. Yeah, I feel like if I praise, then I'm faking it. No, you're not faking it. The Bible says, bring a sacrifice of praise. We don't praise God because we feel like it. We praise God because he's worthy to be praised. That's why we praise him. And listen, if we would get some daily doses of this throughout our day and throughout our week, our life would literally operate not from a place of no problem, but we would always operate from a place of victory. Praise caused God to move. We've got other examples of this. The Bible says... That as the children of Israel were possessing the land, that they came to a region in a city called Jericho. The Bible says that Jericho was an exceedingly great city. It was shut up. None came in. None went out. The walls of the city were so thick, they could hold chariot races on the top of them. They were watchmen on those walls that would watch out for Enemies who would be trying to come and actually um, uh, overtake Israel. And so God had a very similar thing here. He said, I, I want you to, to march around this for six days. And I don't want you to say anything. But on the seventh day, when you walk around this place, on the seventh time, 
I want you to shout. And the Bible says that when they begin to shout, the walls of Jericho came crumbling down. And they walked in and defeated that city that day. There's another instance of two of God's choice elect servants by the name of Paul and Silas. In Acts, the 16th chapter, they found themselves in prison, not for cheating on their taxes, not for stealing something at the grocery store. They found themselves in prison for casting a demon out of a young trafficked girl who was causing her master's gain because she was possessed with the divining spirit. She was a fortune teller. Paul was vexed. He cast the spirit out. No spirit, no fortune. So that, that girl went back and was like, you know, I, they, I guess they figured out she didn't have the goods anymore. She figured out what happened. They probably forced her to tell. So they tracked down Paul and Silas and throw them into prison. It's dark. It's not like prisons we have today. There was no closed-circuit television, no three hots in a cot. There was no newspapers for them to read. It wasn't the pleasantries that we have today. Understand, it was a horrible place. It was darkness. They were not treated kindly, especially those who were preaching the name of Jesus. So they shackled Paul and Silas up in this prison. Their hands and feet were bound, and they were thrown in there. The jailer was given oversight of them, and because they were precious prisoners, they were told, you know, the law kind of said, if you lost a prisoner, you, you, you lose your life. Midnight happened. Midnight's the darkest hour of the night. If anybody had a reason to complain, I'd reckon it would have been Paul and Silas. Look where serving God's got us. I thought he was faithful. You know, maybe if we wouldn't have done that, Paul, we wouldn't be in here. You know, maybe our lives were easier before we knew Jesus. They had a reason to complain. But the Bible says in Acts the 16th chapter that at midnight bound hand and foot, they begin to pray and sing praise. And the prisoners heard them. And the Bible says that as they began to praise, and as they began to pray, God sent an earthquake into that prison and broke off the shackles of Paul and Silas, but not just them, but the chains of everybody who was around them. See, 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 you missed it because some of you come in here trying to be cute, but what you don't realize is the devil may be binding your praise, not because of you, but because who's down the row from you. Come on, somebody. It's somebody needs to get free because of the praise that comes through your life. Woo, Jesus. The Bible says he broke into that prison cell. And they began to pray. Here's the third thing. 
Praise not only caused God to move. Number three, praise confused the enemy. I, I, I want you to, to look at verse 23 of our text. Second Chronicles 20, verse 23. It says, For the people of Ammon and Moab stood against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped the enemy, uh, when they came to the end of the inhabitants of Seir, rather, they helped to destroy one another. Now, I don't know if you see the picture here. Children of Israel are marching towards the enemy. Praisers on the front line. And they're saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And all of a sudden, the Ammonites and the Moabites and all those people, they begin to, they begin to, to, to turn and, and fight and kill each other. And then the Bible says, those that are left, they turned and they killed each other. God was true. He said, you won't have to fight in this battle. You know why? Because praise confused the enemy. Praise confused the enemy. Do you know something? That when you praise God in the middle of the dark seasons of your life, when you praise God when everything says you shouldn't praise God, when you praise God during those moments in your life, it is those moments that literally confuse the forces of darkness that have been assigned to your life. I think about Esther and Mordecai. I was praying this week. God gave me a scripture, something I was seeking him for. But Haman had a, had a plan to set Mordecai up to end his life. So he went and he created a gallow, chopping block for basically a, 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 a place where you would go and hang somebody. Public hanging. Because Esther trusted God and they trusted God. You know what the scripture says? It says, and Haman... Hang on, he hung on his own gallows. Those that he had prepared for Mordecai. See, when you learn to praise God in the middle of your circumstance, he will literally cause the adversary to devour themselves. And you'll come out of that thing smelling like a rose. But the moment you try to fight it yourself, you bind God's hand. But if God says, I'm going to let you, I'm, I'm going to fight this battle. You just praise me. You just praise me with everything that you have. God says, I will take care of your adversary. I, I know, I know some of you are saying, Pastor, all of this sounds nuts. You, you're telling me singing can do this? Yeah. Don't want to scripture overload you today, but it is. That is what I'm saying. Let me give you an example. Exodus, the 32nd chapter, verse 15 through 18. It's the story of Sinai when Moses went up on the mountain to meet with God and Aaron and, and those stayed behind and rebelled in the, in the valley. Here's what it says. It says, as Moses turned and he went down from the mountain and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides and one on the one side and one on the other, they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God, and they were the writings of God engraved on the tablets. 
And when Joshua, listen to this, when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the noise of the shout or the victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. Do you know that in the spirit realm, your worship and your praise sounds like warfare to the adversary? When we sing this song, this is how I fight my battles, people like these modern songs have no theology. Hello? Folks, I'm telling you, the sound of worship overwhelms the enemy and his plan for our life. You say, you're crazy, Pat. Okay, here, here's, some, here's some more truth. Here's some more truth. You ready? You ready for this? Psalm 144, verse 1, the Psalm of David. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. This is twofold. He's talking about the playing of his instrument, but also... Also, also, the scripture says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. The word to clap in the Hebrew language literally means to blast like a trumpet. I don't understand why that Pentecostal church likes to clap. That's why. Because some of y'all got out of bed this morning and you didn't have a reason for living. Thought about taking your life and thought about just doing all kind of crazy stuff. But God sent you here today to tell you about the power of unleashing your praise on your adversary. Nothing will turn your life around faster than putting the right priority and focus on who God is and what he's done. Praise confuses the enemy. This verse, I'm getting ready to close. Psalm 137, speaking of the exile, or rather the captivity, the Babylonian captivity. Some of the people of God, notice this. The worshipers, those who had previously been assigned to sing, they were taken into captivity, and here's what it says. By the rivers of Babylon, they had hung their harps on the willow trees. The enemy had stolen their song. They said this, if you further read Psalm 137, it says, How can we sing the song of the Lord in a strange land? Literally, they lost their song today. My encouragement to you, my instruction to every person in this room today is this. Don't allow the adversary to steal your praise. Now, let me explain something to you. There are people who say, well, pastor, I don't have to clap. I don't have to shout. I don't have to sing. I just praise the Lord in my heart. I just praise the Lord in my own way. Well, the Bible doesn't say praise Him in your own way. Find me the verse. I'll eat the pages in my Bible this morning. It doesn't say praise the Lord in your own way. He said, lift up holy hands. 
Shout unto God. He said, praise him with the timbrel. Praise him with the loud cymbal. Praise him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In fact, last scripture I'm turning to this morning. Go with me to Psalm 150, the very last book. The very last chapter in the book of Psalms. Psalm 150. And put it up on the screen. Let us read it together today. Let us read it together today. Psalm 150. I want everybody to stand on your feet with me this morning. We're getting ready to close. I don't know what, what's about getting ready to happen, but somebody is about getting ready to get their praise back this morning. Psalm 150, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Why don't you look around this morning and tell somebody, I think I'm in the right place. I think I'm in the right place. Praise Him in the mighty firmament. Then notice this. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him with His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and a dance. Praise Him with string instruments and flutes. Praise Him with the quiet cymbals. Praise Him with the loud cymbals. Praise Him with the clashing cymbals. And then He ends it like this. Let everything that has breath praise Him. I want everybody to, I want everybody to do something. I want everybody to do something right now. Take your hand like this. Take your hand like this. Put it right in front of your mouth. Now I want you to blow on it. He's talking to you. There's not a person in this room exempt from the, the mandate of the Lord Jesus and the Holy Scripture to praise. You see, some of you in this room, the adversary has stolen your song. He's told you you're irrelevant. He's told you you don't have a place. He's told you you're not good enough. He's told you you're not worthy enough. But here's what I've come to understand. If you need a healing, you ought to praise Him. If you're depressed, you ought to praise Him. If you're broke and you need provision, you ought to praise Him. If you need deliverance, you ought to praise Him. But there's never a time where it's inappropriate to praise Him. So I want us all right now to close our eyes in just a moment.